0: text this morning is the entire chapter. I would ask you to read it at some point today. I'm going to summarize it for you. But what I want to come to is really Paul's summary at the end of this chapter. He begins 1 Corinthians chapter 15 discussing the resurrection. And there were some in the church at Corinth who believed that there was no resurrection. And Paul needs to explain to them, if there's no resurrection, we're in trouble. And he explains how the resurrection is going to take place, when it's going to take place, and why it takes place. And so I will give you a brief summary of that chapter so that you can begin to understand what he's saying. In verse 17 of that chapter, he said, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sin." You see, if death had victory over Jesus, then he did not conquer sin and death. You see, sin entered through Adam. It is over all human beings because the wages of sin is death. Christ's resurrection proved him to be sinless. And he died our death, taking our sin upon him. But death had no right nor any power to hold him in the grave since he was spotless and pure without sin, thus the necessity of the virgin birth and a life in perfect obedience to God. Through this, it's like God planted an atom bomb in the mouth or in the belly of death so that it would swallow up Jesus and he would literally explode it and come out of the belly of that whale of death. Amen? And so he rose from the dead, proving that his sacrifice was pleasing, acceptable to God, and that his righteousness broke the power of death for all of us. He did this for you and I, so that you and I will not have to spend an eternity in hell or suffer the power of death. Now for us, death is a release and a launch pad into the eternal presence of God. Amen? Amen. And so that's why it is necessary for the resurrection and Christ's resurrection. He then goes on and says, well, when is our resurrection going to take place? He said this in verse 22, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. All who are in Christ will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits. Let me stop right there. This is the day of first fruits. This is the Israel feast of first fruits. There was Passover, feast of unleavened bread, and then the feast of first fruits. And Christ is that harvest, the first to have risen from the dead. He is first, and He is our trailblazer or the author and perfecter of our faith, risen to the right hand of God. Christ is the first fruits. Then, at His coming, those who belong to Christ. So when is the resurrection of the body, or what is also called the rapture? When will that take place? That is coming. It's really simple. It's right there. <laughs> when Christ returns, we will be resurrected or raptured to him in the sky, as Paul says. Right? And that's when the resurrection. How does this happen? He goes on and he explains, We shall all be changed... Say that with me. We shall all be changed. Thank God. Amen. In a moment, and he says, "No, you know what? That's not quick enough. That's too long. Not in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, you know how quick you, you, you blink or twinkle your eye? I don't know how many of you twinkle your eyes, but in the twinkling of an eye, and when? At the last trumpet. For this Perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Wow, that is awesome. That is going to be amazing. Now, he goes into an illustration and he says, Let me help you understand something. It's like a seed. He says, When you look at a seed, that seed is one thing, but it doesn't look like what it's going to become. Yet it is still that seed. Now, I tend to favor sunflowers because I just love the ratio between the seed and the growth. So that fascinates me. So when you look at a sunflower seed, it's pretty. It's black and white with stripes, and it's just about this big, beautiful seed. That's all of us. We are all seeds, okay? And that's what we're looking at. Some of you are pea pods, some of you are lilacs, some of you are all different kinds of shells, And and decorations on these little seeds of who we are. And he says, but don't you know that when a seed goes into the ground, it must die in order that life may come forth. And out of that little seed will grow something. My illustration was a sunflower. This thing begins to grow, begins to grow the leaves if you get one of the Russian mammoth sunflowers. The leaves become like this. The thing will grow 12 to 14 feet tall with this glorious blossom on it, pointing to the sun. And if you watch them in the morning, they're this way, they follow the sun around. Isn't that beautiful? It's it's the way we should be, following the sun. But isn't it amazing that you and I are gonna blossom into something that's incomprehensible? We have no idea what we are going to look like when we get there. But we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. This that is perishable, that is the flesh, this body, must put on imperishable. This which is mortal will put on immortality. That is awesome. That is amazing. That is our future. That is our hope. Amen? That is something to praise God about. But then he goes to a conclusion here. And this is what I want to focus on in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, you see that's a conclusion, would you agree? Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Why would he say that after he's talking about the resurrection? Because what he's saying to us is, this isn't all there is to life. There is more to life. There is an eternity to our life. And what we do here and now is working towards a blessed eternity. Not to get us into that eternity. We get there by faith. We've already had our salvation. But because we have that hope and future, we have a purpose and a reason to reach the lost and to change this world. Amen? Amen? Amen. And he says this, three things. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. Anyone who believes in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ should live with these three attributes throughout their lives. Because we have a hope that is solid and sturdy. All right? It is a courageous thing. Now, when I think of these three things, steadfast, immovable, and always abounding, I think of this verse in Romans eight eleven. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will give life to your mortal body through his Spirit who dwells in you. If that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he'll quicken, make alive this mortal body. Now think about it for a minute. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, there's the power of the resurrection. He's saying that the power that conquered death lives in you and I. That means we should be fearless. And that's been the theme of the church. You see, the the seed of the church, we were talking about this a while ago, the seed of the church, Tertullian said, is the blood of the martyrs. Why? Because you take one Christian out, ten more will stand. The Christians have an eternal hope. You can try to get rid of us, but the spirit of resurrection will always be at work in His people. We are fearless, immovable, unshakable because we have a hope and a future. We know our God. We know His purpose. We know His plan. If it dwells in you, then He will make you alive with these three attributes. Steadfast, immovable, and abounding. I think of a freight train. That's the Christian walk. We should be a freight train. The church should be a freight train, not to run people over, but to bring the love of God in places that are desperate and hungry and thirsty and in the darkness. A freight train's coming with a great light to deliver you out of the hands of Satan, to break the bondage of sin and death. Like a freight train, we'll storm the gates of hell, and the gates of hell shall never prevail against the church. This is the church. A church that believes in the power of the resurrection. A church that believes the same power that raised Jesus is in me. If you believe the resurrection, if you celebrate Easter, you should be steadfast, immovable, abounding. And this is a day and an hour when the church must be steadfast and immovable on what is true and right in the Word of God. Amen? you are going to see a number of folks who claim to be Christians falling away from the faith because it's going to get harder to believe. It's going to be less socially acceptable to believe the truth of God's Word. But will you believe? And will you be steadfast? Will you be immovable? And will you be abounding in the Lord? When I think of something that is steadfast, I looked it up in the Oxford Dictionary, steadfast means a fixed position, solid, firm, unshakable, resolute, and on course, won't drift. I am steadfast. You can count on me. Amen? Something that is sure, something that is true, always true, always true north steadfast secondly immovable immovable unwavering firmly secured not subject to change incapable of being diverted from one's purpose we are immovable we are steadfast standing strong we're immovable on what the word of god says and its truth and who christ is and what he has accomplished and last of all abounding how many of you know what abounding means abounding means that you are excelling beyond full measure. It's being filled up to the fullest you can be and then beyond that, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing into your lap. Abounding, and you look at that word in the Greek, you look at throughout scripture, you will always see a reference to grace, abounding grace that is sufficient and always abounding. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. There's always grace abounding. We're steadfast, immovable, and always pouring out the grace of God like the steam in that engine. Our message is the love of God. God loved the lost. Our purpose is the love of God. Our message is is the love of God. We're unmoving on that. We will not change from what was necessary for the love of God to be secured in our lives, which is the cross of Christ and His resurrection. It is the love. We're true to that, and that's Abounding. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But as you excel, or same word, abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel or abound in this act of grace also. The act of grace he was particularly talking about in that verse is giving. So what he's saying is we are supposed to be steadfast, immovable, and abounding, If you believe in the resurrection, this is all tied to our faith in the resurrection. Because, you see, we have a purpose while we're here until we go. See, there's a mindset here. This isn't it. This isn't just, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow you die. This is a purpose of bringing souls into eternity. So we need to be a force of bringing God's love into a world of death and darkness. Don't you think that firemen should be immovable, unstoppable when someone's caught in a fire? They need to abound and go beyond the the call of duty and rescue. That's us. If you believe in the resurrection, you'll give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be immovable, steadfast, and you will abound. And what does he say? Those who trust in the resurrection, those who have that same power of resurrection that raised Jesus dwelling in you, should cause an abounding power in your life. That abounding should bring an abounding faith. An abounding faith. And so, if you believe in the resurrection and the power of that resurrection, it should always challenge your faith to go further. What do you got to lose? Be with Jesus. We hold our lives too dear. We are not doing enough radical things for the Lord because we're all holding our lives much too dear, and we're limiting our faith. We are most Most of us are operating to keep status quo in our life. Christianity is to be abounding. Status quo is not where you stop. Pressing, pressing. You secure what you have, make it immovable, and move forward. You're steadfast in what you've gained in your household, how far you've come in your faith. Keep it strong, move forward. Keep abounding in faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Are you ready to abound this year in faith? That means we need to go further than we've ever gone before. Beyond your abilities to trust in God, it is an abounding faith because you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Right? This isn't based on your ability to memorize Scripture. This is the power of God living in your being. It's not based on your ability to do the best you can to be a good boy or girl. This is the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. We are a supernatural people. Okay. After faith comes something. I'll go to my notes. You and I are clicking at the same time, I think. Go back to that faith page. All right. After faith comes speech. This is interesting to me. Abounding in speech. Some of you talk too much. (laughs) it's not about talking so much. It's about in what we're saying. Thank you, bro. It's about abounding in the declaration of the gospel, abounding in speaking the good news, abounding in speaking what is true. This world is lost without us. Did you know that? The world is lost without the church. We are the pillar of truth. We are the light to the world. We are the salt to this world. And if we do not speak, they will be lost. They will have no truth. And so we are the mouth of God. We have become the Word of God. We are the body of Christ. We must abound in speech. We must continue to share this gospel. Speak the truth. You don't just praise God when you come to church and you don't just talk about Jesus when you're at a Bible study. We must confess Christ at all times everywhere. And our speech must abound in the truth of the gospel. Next, we must abound in knowledge. We must study the Word of God, rightly dividing it, understanding it, discerning it, and knowing the Word. I'm sure that most of you have 1 Corinthians 15 memorized, and I appreciate that. So let's go to verse chapter 16. Memorize that. When I was in China, I was amazed at how many of the Chinese memorize not a verse, not a chapter, but the Bible. This is awesome to me. Awesome. And so we have to have a knowledge of God. But it's not just rote imitation or repetition. It is a knowing of God. It goes beyond the study of the Word and it goes into the knowing of the heart of Father. Knowing His heart. Knowing the Spirit. Knowing the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Knowing God. That's the power of the resurrection. I have power in my speech to speak the authority of God's Word. I have resurrection power to know Him who is He that is true. And earnestness. Christianity is to be earnest, desired, diligent in all that we do. Christians who believe in the resurrection have the same spirit of the resurrection in them. Are a diligent people. We are consistent, we are steadfast, we are faithful. You can count on us. Jesus said, your yes is a yes, your no is a no. You don't have to swear an oath, you don't have to sign a paper. Your yes is yes, because anyone who follows Jesus has the power of the resurrection to keep his word earnestly. We have to work on that, wouldn't you say? This is what we're achieving, and that's because we believe in the power of the resurrection. We are also to be abounding in love at all times. A love that goes beyond us, a self-sacrificing love. A love greater than a love for ourselves, but a love that esteems other more highly than myself. I will be earnest in giving this love. I will speak of this love. I will have the knowledge of this love and I'll have faith to bring this love into places that would seem to reject it but I'm still taking it there. And last of all is giving. Isn't that interesting that it's in here? That he says believers are abounding in giving because isn't that keep in step with the resurrection? God gave everything. Jesus gave all that he had. And he said all that is mine is yours. And so that same spirit of giving must be in us. It must be nurtured in us. And I have to ask you, in the area of giving, do we hold on a little bit too much? Uh, do, we, do we grasp a little bit too much? We must be liberal or hilarious as Paul would say in Second Corinthians 9, he'll, he'll go on in this next chapter to talk about being a cheerful giver. And that word is hilarious giver. One who joyfully gives because you know the power of the resurrection. You as a good steward of your finance, a good steward of your time, a good steward of your possessions can give it away because you know the God who is the supplier of all your needs. No one's saying Amen. 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 I would commend this church because we're doing fantastic in our stewardship campaign. Each month it's amazing as what's coming in and our offerings are still remaining the same even in this season and in this time of our economy. And that is a spirit of giving that is abounding and I praise God for that. But I'm not talking just about money. I'm talking also about time, talent, uh, uh, that which you own and that which is yours. You see, we believe in the resurrection. We don't hold on to anything too tight down here. Amen? Do you see how this filters into everything that is within your being? You see, I don't have to hold on to anything too tight because I have an internal inheritance. Amen? I have a love for God because I know the love that is going to take me into His eternal presence. I have a diligence to do what I need to do because I have only so much time here because I'm passing through. I got someplace better to be. And I have a knowledge of God because that resurrected life illuminated my mind to who God is. And I speak about it at all times and I'm going to trust God for it. We're a motivated people. Remember he said this at the conclusion of the resurrection. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, not those who are of the resurrection. Our bodies will go to dust, but we will be changed, and we will have an eternal inheritance. And whatever we do, Paul says, he tells, Paul commands, Timothy says, command your people, command them, this is an order, command your people to do good works, for in this they will lay up treasure in store for a foundation of eternity. You see, all that we are doing is all to the glory of God. All under the power and the anointing of that resurrection. We're all looking forward to that day. Let's not get too stuck on this stuff here. Amen? That is the power of the resurrection. And I conclude with what John said in his epistle. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Again, the hope of resurrection being changed by seeing Christ causes us to do something here and now. That's the power of the resurrection. It changes the way you live. That's why a true believer is a changed person. Their witness, their testimony is different than what they used to be because the power of that resurrection is at work in them. Regenerating, sanctifying, making pure, making holy that is within them because of the hope set before them. Amen? Do you have that hope this morning? Do you have that hope? Then you should be steadfast in it. If you're not steadfast in it, get back into the Word of God. Believe, trust, begin to pray deeper and longer in the Spirit to confirm where you are weak in your faith, where you are not abounding. If someone has tripped you up, if your worldview is a little shaky concerning the the Lord and the doctrine of the church, you need to then go deeper and study. Become steadfast. The power of the resurrection is going to firm you up. Be diligent and begin to abound, abound and abound. Let's bow our heads.